values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Yes, it does. It does, too, Julia. Don't don't disagree with me. I'm always right. It's a great song. I'm just saying the very beginning of that song sounded like Material Girl by Madonna. The very beginning sounded like the intro to Material Girl. I just have to disagree with you. Okay, well, you're allowed to. Everyone's allowed to be wrong once in a while. But I'm not wrong. This happens to be your time. Okay, sure. Thanks for being here, everyone. We appreciate you spending some time with the show. Happy Tax Day. We're going to talk about the economy and taxes specifically in a few minutes. But I want to get back to what I think is one of the biggest stories in nationally because it still plays a role in the election integrity conversation. Um, we are still having this in many circles about stolen elections. The former president, President Trump, is still saying that the election is stolen. I did an event recently in which Carrie Lake was one of the speakers. And uh, and Carrie Lake is still saying she firmly believes it. And I know she does. And that that her goal is to expose the stolen election and get our election systems fixed. I just think that there are big issues in Arizona and things have to be handled differently. And I uh, Liz Harris, former representative Liz Harris was uh, expelled from the Arizona State Legislature with a bunch, I think it was 18 Republicans, voting with all of the Democrats in favor of her expulsion from the legislature. It has angered some in the Republican Party, the Maricopa County Republican Committee. The MCRC um, came out and made a statement saying this is further divisive in our party. Well, I would say to you that there's two sides to that story, that there is plenty of division within the Republican Party, and you're a big part of it as well. Because when I disagreed on some issues, um, you came after me. I've been an active uh, participant in conservative causes for almost 20 years, almost 20 years. And there are people that just want to discount me completely because I disagree with them on an issue. That's just the wrong way to handle things. That's all I'm saying. But what they've done is they've come up the District 13, which is the district she represented, now had the responsibility, the District 13 Republicans, the precinct committeemen and the people that had voting rights in the party in that district got together and they gave three names, three people that they believe are the best qualified people to fill that seat that's now been vacated by the expulsion of Liz Harris. One of them. Is Liz Harris, which they have every right to do. We saw it happen in Tennessee where some Democrats were expelled about what they did with with protests at the state capitol. And one of them was put back in place, went back through the district process. The district nominated this person and this person by that that board was then put back in their seat, which is absolutely legal. So is it possible that the county board of supervisors could reinstate Liz Harris? Yes. Is it likely? No. But it's possible. Uh, They have Julie Willoughby, who ran against Liz Harris and barely lost last time around. She's the only candidate that has filed paperwork to run in 2024. And then Steve Steele is the third of the three. Now, what I'm being told is that the County Board of Supervisors can choose one of those three. Or if they do their homework and they don't like any of those three, they have the ability to go back and say, send us three more names. Will they? I don't know the answer to that. 
I do know that on this topic, it is an interesting thing that keeps happening. On this topic, the supporters of Liz Harris are saying, well, these accusations should be uh, investigated. They should. If you have somebody that is willing to go into a court of law and swear to a judge that they have evidence that a lot of these political leaders from both political parties in Arizona, we're talking about our governor, our secretary of state, the mayor of Mesa, um, uh, members of the Arizona State legislature in both the House and the Senate, leadership in both of those chambers are involved in a scandal which involves the cartels in which they are taking bribes and fake deeds to their home. If you have evidence of that being true, you are 100% right that the FBI or DPS or the county sheriffs where they live or local police departments should be doing investigations. If it's true, they should be arrested and they should be held accountable. But the reason why Liz Harris was expelled from the Arizona State Legislature was she was she broke every rule, every ethics rule they had in allowing this testimony and no proof has been brought forward. This is where I would say to everybody respectfully, first of all, calm down. Let's get rid of the high emotion and screaming at each other. They did this to Donald Trump for four years, four years. We kept hearing from Adam Schiff, there's plenty of evidence to convict the president. There's plenty of evidence to charge the president with collusion. He colluded with the Russians. We have evidence, and you're going to see the evidence. And we never saw any evidence for four years. And there were plenty of people in the media that if there was one shred of evidence, would have been happy to make that headline news. And it never happened. And the same thing is happening now. If there is evidence... That leaders from both political parties, this isn't going after one party or the other, but it is about election integrity and it is about people stealing elections. And it's always these theories that everybody's in on it and there's this huge scandal and this huge scam. Liz Harris was found to be in violation of House ethics by all five members of the ethics committee. So now do you discount the three Republicans that looked at the evidence and said my job is to decide whether or not I believe there was a breach of ethics here? And just because you're a Republican that you're supposed to side with other Republicans even if you don't believe it to be true. This is where it makes me crazy. Well, Democrats always stick together and Republicans should stick together. And I'm going to say again what I said last time I talked about this. I remember going back years ago when John McCain was the senior senator for the state of Arizona, and he was winning elections in Arizona by double digits in the primary and double digits in general elections and was an immensely popular and powerful senator um, in the state of Arizona, representing the state of Arizona in Washington, D.C., where the MRC, uh, the MCRC, made a statement, I believe it was Maricopa County, that censured him and said, we don't like what you're doing and we can't stand you and we want you to get out. That's not Republicans backing each other. That's you saying we're real Republicans and you're not. So if you want to be backed, you have to back other people. Sitting in a room and saying we are right and we are going to do this and if you don't like it tough, this is the way it's going to be is the reason why the majorities in the House and Senate have shrunk to one seat. This is my opinion on it. You don't talk to enough people. 
outside of your little rooms filled with the people that think exactly like you. You completely discount and try to cast out and cancel anybody that disagrees with you. And you are becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and in your power. And this is where we don't see growth and we don't see activity because there are a lot of issues with what's going on with the nation's economy federally when we see what the budgets are doing in deficits and taxation and everything else. And then you look at how Arizona, how they reverse course on taxation and we're flush with cash in the state coffers. It should be walkovers for anybody in the Republican Party running for office. Instead, we get these fights and at some point you have to assess them. The only question I have, and I'm anxious to find out what the answer is, will the Maricopa County uh, Board of Supervisors choose one of these three or will they um, say give us three more? I would say would be my guess. And I'm just going to put this out there. If they were to go with one of these three, Julie Willoughby would be the person that they would put forward. I have no information to that. I'm just looking at the three and saying that would be the choice. I think it would be the one that would be logical. Coming up next, um, Arizona is growing. But some school districts are seeing uh, uh, less enrollment. We'll talk about why in just a moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Um, an interesting statistic, the Scottsdale Unified School District is seeing a drop in enrollment while we are seeing large gains in people moving into the district and other places. Is this more about schools or is this about demographics? Most of the people moving in or many of the people that are moving in do not have school-aged children. They're either families that are just starting to build. It's you know people that are moving in that are either newly married, not married yet, no children, or people that are moving in that are retirement age where their children are past school age and have moved on. So that's a big piece of this. But the conversation about schools still remains a very big one. Uh, Oklahoma is talking about school choice using Arizona as an example. With the direction we go with schools, here's one uh, from um, George Washington University. Debates flare at George Washington University and elsewhere over whether armed campus police, whether to arm campus police. This to me is the biggest I should say most ridiculous conversation that we ever have about safety. And it's the only avenue, it's the only area in our existence where it is seen having armed protection makes things more dangerous. It is the most gaslighting, ridiculous premise that there is on the planet. And I'm not trying to be rude, but it's absolutely foolish. The governor has a security detail. So when we've had, when the former governor would come in, when, when Governor Ducey would come in studio, he always had a DPS detail with him. Always. And uh, they're in suits. They're, you know, they're in plain clothes, but they're armed and they're there to protect the governor. When the mayor comes in, the mayor has a detail of Phoenix police officers. Do you think that this building is more dangerous when those armed police officers are there with a dignitary? I have a friend who used to do dignitary protection for the State Department. She is a, well... Pardon term. She's a badass. And she was when she was younger and she still is now. But she did dignitary protection for dignitaries from around the world, high level dignitaries all over the world. 
And when these situations come up, has anybody ever said, was the Super Bowl experience that I was a part of, when doing the show for a couple of days at the convention center, the NFL experience, was that room, was that huge convention center, was it more dangerous because there were armed cops everywhere? The answer is absolutely not. So the idea that you're going to argue on a college campus that armed police officers make it more guns, more death, it is absolutely ludicrous. The more often you you use the phrase gun-free zone, it tells criminals that you are prey. There was a story a few years ago. I'm just going to give you uh, – I guess what this person was trying to do was well-intentioned, but it was so ridiculous. And I cannot remember the name of the restaurant. But there is a restaurant owner in Phoenix that after some shooting decided that they were going to give up their guns. Now, here's the deal. Um, What happened is this restaurant owner was from Great Britain, I believe, where the gun laws are much different than the U.S. And they said, you know, we moved here. Owning guns was a novelty. It was kind of a cool thing to be able to own a gun. So I bought a couple of guns. This is a restaurant owner talking. Well, after these shootings, I can't in good conscience own my guns anymore. So I called the police and I said to the Phoenix police, come get my guns. I don't want them. Well, the law in Arizona says that you can't destroy those guns, that you have to sell those guns to a legal gun owner. So you didn't take any guns off the street. You transferred them to another gun owner that was probably as legitimate as you are, probably as legal as you are. Here's the problem. This restaurant owner just went and told every criminal in town via the Arizona Republic that I'm not armed anymore. I gave away all of my guns. Does that sound smart to you? You know, with the idea that we are not going to protect people because guns are evil is is even for the gun control enthusiasts is a weak argument because even they believe that the police need to be armed. They would say themselves, well, cops need those guns. The government should have them. The gun, you know, cops should have them. Soldiers should have them. But civilians, you don't need them. And now you're saying no. Phoenix Union High School District uh, tabled their conversation about whether or not they're going to have armed police officers in the form of school resource officers on their campuses. And they tabled it because of a room full of angry people that they didn't want to make angrier. That it was not a courageous decision. So as of right now, we are left with a situation in the Phoenix Union High School District. And again, I'm challenging anybody out there. Call me on this. I'm not lying. I'm not making things up. There have been multiple reports that have been verified of Students with guns on campus. Teachers don't feel safe. Other students don't feel safe. This is an absolute, this is ridiculous. A school resource officer approaching a kid that may have a gun is the best way to handle that. And yet we're being told no. All right, coming up in just a moment, the LAPD has lost almost 1,000 officers in 10 years. We'll talk about why next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, it is still the hottest ticket in town. It's Phoenix Suns playoff tickets, and we have an opportunity for you to qualify to win a pair. Here's what you do. Just text the word TICKET to 411-923. That's TICKET to 411-923 and get registered. We call names three times a day, 7 a.m., 
11 a.m., 4 p.m. hours. In those hours at some point, we'll call a name. If it's you, you have 10 minutes to call. You're qualified to win those tickets. If that person doesn't call in 10 minutes, we open the phones and somebody gets qualified. So you have a chance. You still have a chance. Get get a, get registered. I uh, talked about this earlier. We talked about I've talked about policing for a long time. Um, I, I think that just like there is no difference in this industry with any other when it comes to in principle. I've worked for very good employers. I've worked for people that I couldn't stand. And when I worked for people that I couldn't stand, I got out. And I got out. It didn't matter what I was being paid. And when I was an electrician, I, I just kind of had a mindset. I've always had a work ethic, I think, that was instilled in me by my mom. She just worked her butt off her entire life. And nothing, there was no excuse. You weren't, you know, I know you don't feel like it. I know you don't want to. Now get up and go to work. Get up and go to school. And I think that's where it came from. But I just always loved to work. And my bosses, I would tell them, no one's going to work harder than me. But when it came time to be treated fairly, I also didn't back down from that. And so I would stand my ground when I thought that I deserved more money. I would stand my ground when I thought I was being treated poorly or disrespectfully. And if there was a difference of opinion, I went and made a deal somewhere else. Um, I work. I always felt like I worked with someone, not necessarily for someone. And uh, I wanted them to know I'm going to do everything I can in this job to make you as much money as I can with the eight hours I have in every day. And in the end, when it's all said and done, when the year is over and you're looking at the books and I come to you and I said, hey, it's time for you to make a little bit more money, you're going to be a lot more willing because I've done the right thing. But I have worked for people that taught tra- tra- uh, – treated me as if I was property, like they owned me, that um, they wanted me to do things outside of my scope of work, or they treated me in a way that somehow they talked down to me. I don't tolerate that. I don't tolerate that from anyone. Uh, It happened to me in the construction industry. It happened to me in the radio industry, and I I don't deal with it well. Um, I I give respect and I expect it in return. I say all of this because the Los Angeles Police Department in the last three years has lost about a thousand officers. They had reached the ten thousand officer milestone a few years ago, and uh, now in a three year period they're down to just over nine thousand. And so they've been losing officers. And I think this is an indication because what you are seeing is leadership, maybe not within their department, but city leadership. When you see prosecutors who have absolutely no respect for the hard work of police officers, where police officers are making cases, where they are dotting the I's and crossing the T's and getting witnesses and gathering evidence and presenting solid cases to prosecutors, and prosecutors have a policy of a revolving door on crime, officers get discouraged. You know, if you're a victim of a crime, it 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 is it really bothers you. I've been the victim of a crime. It makes you angry. If you find out that this person is a repeat offender and that they probably shouldn't have been out on the street except for our revolving door of a justice system, it makes it worse for you. Now, if you're a law enforcement officer, put your life on the line every time you get in that patrol vehicle and head out or you're a detective or whatever whatever capacity you work in. And then you deal with the same people, and there are going to be times when you arrest somebody and say, didn't we just arrest this person? Wasn't this person just put away recently? What are they doing out? Didn't this person get sentenced to an extremely long period of time? Why are they back on the street? It's frustrating. 
And there are a lot of law enforcement officers that will choose to work elsewhere. That's one of the things about a growing state like Arizona. It's the blessing and the curse. And that is you're wanted in other places. The city of Phoenix is a very desirable place to work, but it's also an employee pool that is desired to draw from. Go east or west. The town of Queen Creek has just started their police department about a year ago. Which means they're going to need a combination of seasoned, experienced officers to lead a new agency, along with new recruits coming in that will put their 20, 25, 30 years in as this agency grows. But you don't think that they look at places like Scottsdale and Phoenix and Glendale and big cities in Arizona, Tucson, and say, let's draw from the pool of experience that have dealt with real crime in these big cities. That's absolutely true. So now you have officers that say, you know what, and I say Phoenix has changed its reputation a lot, and they've not defunding the police. And it was testy. The, you know, the uh, the OAT, the Office of, of, of Accountability and Transparency, really rubbed people the wrong way because their rules mandate that you can't be in law enforcement and work for that office. You can't have ever been in law enforcement or an immediate family member in law enforcement and work for that office. And it rubbed them the wrong way. And so they'll go elsewhere. Go west. Go to Buckeye. Look how fast Buckeye is growing. You don't think that the Buckeye Police Department would love to have some members of the sheriff's office or members of the Phoenix Police Department or a major police agency to come on board to show young officers that are coming on how to do that job very well? Of course they are. So it's a desirable place. We can learn lessons from this. How many times have we heard stories recently that the New York City, the NYPD, probably the most recognizable law enforcement agency in the country, NYPD officers are leaving in droves and they're going to cities across the state of Florida because they feel they're respected more. The cost of living is a lot less. The weather sure is terrific and they just love it. Arizona should be that destination for cities like Chicago and Minneapolis and Seattle and other places, cities in California, whether it's LAPD or San Francisco PD, when these officers feel is like we are running on a treadmill we're never going to get off of, we're not making any headway, they should be invited to come here and bolster the Phoenix Police Department. And I'm hoping that's what this is going to be. I hope we're learning our lesson from, uh, from LAPD. We talked about this earlier, and it's about independent voters, that there are many young people that are registering to vote, which is a good sign, but they're not registering for political parties. What should the parties learn from that? We'll talk about it next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right. Um, Americans like saying they're independent while voting as partisans is the headline in the story. It talks about the demographic shift and how people are registering. So this uh, – I've been ranting about this for a long, long time. I talked to a group on Sunday about a little bit of this. Um, we have got to do better at outreach, and organizations that are good at it, I follow their lead. I don't care if it's in the same industry or it isn't. If you look in the world of sports – the NFL is great, and they are a juggernaut. They have become so big that the NFL draft 
will have higher ratings for the first round television audience for the NFL draft than some playoff games in other major league sports. Uh, the NHL playoffs have just started, and I am a converted hockey fan. I grew up in Florida. I've lived in Arizona. Neither place I've ever been seen as big hockey places, except the NHL has done very well in Tampa. Um, they've done very well in the state of Florida with the Hurricanes and um, – uh, with uh, I'm not with the Hurricanes, with the Florida teams, with the Panthers. Um, Hurricanes are my Miami Hurricanes. The the Florida Panthers have done well, um, but they're not known as hotbeds of hockey. Other places, people grow up playing it, but they've done a very good job of getting a fan base. Um, and so I look at those organizations and I think, well, how are they doing it? First of all, they don't judge. And what I mean by that is if you show up to a Coyotes game wearing a Coyotes jersey or they call it a sweater, wearing a Coyotes sweater or the other team's sweater, they don't care. They don't care how much you know about the sport. They don't care how long you've been a fan. They don't care if this is your first game. They are glad your butt is in that seat. We don't do that in politics. In politics, they want to know what you think about this issue and what you think about that issue and what do you think about this candidate and how long have you been involved? Are you truly one of us or are you not one of us? And they drive people away. You don't drive people away from their ideology. You drive people away from your party. I had this conversation with somebody in the Republican Party years ago on the air when I and I and, and someone to tried to explain to me as if I didn't know that Republican voters are not members of the Republican Party. And I said, I know it, I understand that, that a Republican Party member is someone that is a, an elected precinct committeeman or appointed that you have voting rights based on your appointment or running for an office within the party and elected to party leadership. And you make the party bylaws and the party rules and the party platform and the party direction, that's all well and good. And a Republican voter doesn't have a say in that. And the problem I had with it is the Republican voters are still your customers. And the analogy I gave to him was this. I was married at the time, and I said, "My, what if my wife's favorite two colors are purple and red? And my oldest daughter, who at the time you know was the only one that was over 21, um, likes to drink Blue Moon beer, and that's the only thing she likes to drink is Blue Moon beer. And my youngest, who is still younger in high school, she likes to play video games. So I'm going to open a bar, and it's going to be all purple and red on the inside. We're only going to sell Blue Moon beer. And because my daughter likes video games, we're going to have big screen TVs, but instead of playing music and videos, they're going to be video games. And then you come in my bar and say, this is a disgusting decor. I want to drink something other than beer, and I don't play video games. And I say to you, it's my bar. They're going to say, yeah, you're right. It's your bar. See ya. And they're going to leave and not come back. And that's what we do in political parties. We get caught up in our room with 10 or 12 people that agree with us. We all sit in a circle and tell each other that we're patriots. We tell each other how great we are. We speak in our language of politics by identifying other people as left-wing this or right-wing that or rhino this or whatever. And we drive people away from the process. Younger voters do not care about your party. Period. They do not care. They register to vote. They will follow candidates and causes that they believe in. They will support them with their money, their talent, and their time, and they will get involved. What they will not do is be told how to vote or how to think or how good they are based on them agreeing with you. 
they will laugh in your face and they will go somewhere else, which is why we are seeing a huge, huge shift. People are still voting their conscience and their political ideologies haven't changed. What's changed is they no longer think that the only vehicle to get anything done is the vehicle of your political party or the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. They are going to go with what they believe is true. They've got social media. They've got their own activist groups. They can do their own thing, and they will. And the faster either of the two major parties understands that and begins a real outreach to people and saying, here's why we believe what we believe, and this is why we think that you should come and help us elect candidates that agree with us 80% of the time. I said this to a group yesterday. One of the things for me in a primary process is that I am pro-life. And so if you are a Republican pro-choice candidate, I'm not supporting you in the primary. That's one of the issues that's a deal breaker for me. But if in that primary, the pro-choice Republican wins and they are against a pro-choice Democrat who I don't uh, I agree with ideologically, I'm supporting the Republican pro-choice candidate. Why? They're the better choice than the opposition. But uh, uh, this idea that once I get back a candidate, if you don't like my candidate, I'm out. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. The idea that you're always right in this tiny little tent and if you're this or that, get out. You are driving people away. And that's what the numbers are telling everyone. And political parties better start paying attention to this. They better start paying very close attention to this because dramatic changes are coming otherwise. Just after 11 o'clock, we're going to talk about the labor market in Arizona, and it's tax day. We've got a list of some very, very curious tax deductions that are absolutely legal that you're going to think is a joke. We'll talk about it coming up next.